Next Chapter Podcast. The 500. The 500. J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend. The king of these for Angelo. Talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. That is American Idiots by Green Day. It's from their 2004 record of the same name. It's also number 225 out of 500 on the 500 with me, Josh Adam Myers. What's up, party people? What's up, party people? What's up, party people? What we doing? How are you doing today, baby? Yeah, I know the music doesn't match. Can you do it, Peter? Can you try to match it? Where we're singing it like, you know, that, that little boop, 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 boop. You ever listen to the music that plays in the background of this? It's like boop, 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 boop. I should figure out what that is and write like a song to it, you know? Um, all right, guys, thanks for tuning into the only podcast where a comedian is going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums from 500 down to one, and we're at 225. We, got, we only got a few more left. What's going on, Josh? Well, um, I'm taking off for about six weeks, so we're recording a lot of this stuff ahead of time. Not that I don't want to be here, but man oh man it's like I got to work. Right now I'm in Las Vegas. I'll be at the Comedy Cellar all week. Sunday, Monday, I'll be at the Comedy Store, February 18th and 19th. And then February 23rd and the 24th, I will be at Kitchener, Ontario and Toronto, Ontario on the 24th. And uh, we're going to be partying, dude. Uh, but do a stand up. You can go to joshadammyers.com for tickets. Punchup.live backslash Josh Adam Myers. That's another way, too, to track all my stuff. But come out to a show. I'm going to take six weeks off to fix these vocals and uh, support the show, please. Every Wednesday, we publish full episodes on Patreon to the 500 club members paying $5 more a month. I get indigestion when I start talking and you just experienced. Really appreciate the Fleece Army supporting the show. Go to patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. We are also posting videos to YouTube. My YouTube is at Josh Adamire 79. I would love for you guys to sign up for my YouTube because I don't think I'm over a thousand. I need a lot of help on social media right now, everybody. A lot. All right. Let's get to this week's episode, Grande. Gren, is that how you say it? Grande? Green Day is one of those bands that just exists in the ecosystem. And uh, love them or hate them. I mean, they are one of the biggest bands of my lifetime. And this record is probably their most respected. And so for the guests, I got somebody that I don't respect at all. The one and only Mike Cannon. 
a brilliant stand-up comic. He's released two independent uh, hours on YouTube, uh, Mike Cannon's Huge Mistake, uh, Crowdwork Special on Edibles, and White Privilege Homeless. He is from Guy Code, from Comedy Central's The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore. He's one half of Chrissy Chaos uh, with Chris Stefano. He is a funny dude and a good friend, and it was a pleasure to have him on. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to The 500. Listen free on all platforms or anywhere you get your pobs. Give us a five-star review because it does help. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Follow the podcast at The 500 Podcast. I haven't done that ever. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. And follow the Facebook group run by Chris. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. Well, let's do American Idiot by Green Day at 225. And away we go. It's now where we were. We fucking bummed can I tell you how refreshing it is to not have to be in full stage makeup with a mic- with a camera crew here? Really? <laughs> this this yeah. is an audio podcast, dude. This is the way it's meant to be. It's it's supposed to be, and probably that's why there's only nine people that listen to this. And, <laughs> but I love all nine of you. You know that. I do. They they make, they're coming out. That's great. That's the craziest shit. They they fucking ever. There's so many people will will come to a show, and they'll they'll be like, dude, great set, and they'll be like, dude. Please never stop the 500. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Well, you know why, right? Because music is such a personal connection. They feel like if you it's similar to like with Rad, how I like that 80s BMX movie. If somebody finds out I like that movie, we're like automatically friends. And it's similar with music where it's like, oh, I connected so much with this episode or that episode or your love in general for music that I feel like we're buds. I would have 100 percent bet money that you were like a wigger. Like was. you was like you yeah because yeah. even your hair still has remnants <laughs> of what it used to be dude that's and what michael che the other night go, somebody was like ken and how'd you know that i said some like hip-hop fact or some bullshit and che looked at him and he goes he has a fade yeah, man dude <laughs> he pl- he's like he played hoops yeah. what do you think where do you think he's from where did you grow up? You're you're from. I'm from New York. I grew, I was born on uh, well, it was called St. Luke's Roosevelt on the Upper West. Now it's Mount Sinai West. Uh, and then I grew up right outside of West Point for the first nine years of my life, and then in Rockland County after that, like uh, kind of near Nyack area. And, and you are you're uh, how old are you? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're not. You're six years younger than I am, mm-hmm. which is funny because even though that doesn't sound like a lot. But six years from me until like six, so I guess it would be like 70, 73. Sure. We have more in common than with six years behind Because the world didn't change that drastically. But six years from, and especially with me, dude, if somebody's six years younger than me, that is generational gap. Like there's yeah. so much difference because I grew up where eighth grade I got the internet and then there's kids. So anybody six years younger than me, they just had it. They were born. They were born. They just they knew it and, it, and it was already working well. Yeah. Like I remember Prodigy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like AOL, you get the disc, you fucking, you get amount of hours, and and you, the whole house shuts down when you're online. And we all have one computer. Yes. Which I had a family Toshiba, and uh, I would too. fire up LimeWire or Kazaa, and I'd download every song, obviously, ever. And I also, this was my first foray into a little 
little Masto, little and little uh, I would download female orgasm noises from Napster and just whack it in my room, <laughs> like like a kid in the 30s listening to the radio. Uh, dude, you went full Orson Welles. You, that's hilarious because because yeah. it's not a woman playing with her fucking sniz. No. It's probably just some you know some like woman just in her living room or a fella like, with yeah. a convincing voice, dude. That actually turns me on even more. It's like, please. <laughs> it's just crazy. And, and and that's the thing is like when it comes to how the world is and how we perceive like, you know, like generations, mm-hmm. Gen X, Gen. Are you millennial? I'm a, I'm, I guess millennial. an older millennial. You're, I'm 85. Yeah, you're a millennial. And then just anything after that, it just keeps going. Yeah. Like, um, so what was it? Like, was, was Green Day? Because I... When when Green Day came out, I was there for the pop. I was there for Dookie. Sure. Because the record before that, I don't think I heard any singles. The world of music, I mean, I mean this, like it, it was like whatever I was listening to, then you had Nirvana and, you know, the hair metal, then Indifferent Nirvana, and Nirvana changed everything. And then I suddenly remember one day watching MTV after mm-hmm. school and Basket Case. Yeah. You know, yeah, but yeah. my lip and close the my best. I mean, that... Was such a because, dude, I didn't listen to punk. I was never no. a punk guy. I didn't like the Sex Pistols. Never listened to the Ramones. I was hard. I was hair metal. You know, Beatles <laughs> and shit. And so it's like, so Green Day. We would cover that in my band, but I wasn't like a fan. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I never got it. So, so, but obviously, if I'm getting it in high school, probably yeah. I was nine in '94 when it came out, yeah. and that's the year I came into consciousness. Like, in terms of personal choice and personal interest, that's the year that I, like, decided I liked Jim Carrey. That's the year I decided I liked Green Day. Like, out of nowhere, I just started gaining personal interest and started seeing things and consuming things. You start becoming a personality and your ego and all that shit starts developing, yeah. I heard Longview for the first time, and that bass line that starts that song and the topics of it and everything, it just, like, Green Day as a band has matured in lockstep with me as a as a human being because they started jerking off you know whatever shit all that stuff and i'm completely on board and then this american idiot is when i started breaking into my existential political like i'm gonna fight the system that type of shit so it literally aged perfectly alongside of my maturity how old are you in 2004 i was uh i was 18 or 19 yeah 18, 19 years Fuck, old. God, those are the best years. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, and it's interesting that I, that I stayed loving this because what you just said was ultra true when I was 18, 19. I was in my full-blown hoops phase. I was one of two white kids on my team. I dressed in Pele Pele jeans, triple X white, long tees. You put on your fucking, your, your gigantic, you probably had like a gigantic uh, iPod <laughs> yeah. with a big... With that big Turner thing, 100%. And, and you put it on. It's like I like the way you move it right there. Yes, but the have the sound button on your heart. Yeah, that's you, dude. It was wild. I was watching. My teammates were putting me on to like. Remember Cassidy, the rapper? Of course. Uh, so I, I, I obviously knew him just from like whatever his hits were, and then they showed me some of his battle raps. Like he had secret battle raps against Jay Z and against Freeway and against all these dudes, and like I was into that. So I was into this weird like side hip hop. That almost wasn't really mainstream, but then Green Day, I had always just maintained my love for this band because it's my first favorite band. I can't drop them. They're my first favorite band, and for that reason, they'll be my favorite band for the rest of my life. 
Really? Yeah. This yeah. is your favorite band? They are my favorite band, yeah. And wow. I've never seen them live. Isn't that weird? You're going to go see him with Fallout Boy and I would like to, but I don't you don't seem like a concerty guy. So and I am. I've I've more recently become a concerty guy because I grew up thinking that concerts were just things you couldn't go to. My parents never took me to concerts. They took me to like my sister's jazz band performance and her piano recital. Was it good? <laughs> no. Oh, it was a fucking nightmare, especially for a kid with ADHD who is like hopping off the walls just wanting to like play a physical sport yeah 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 and i'm just listening to this and my sister played <laughs> ode to joy you're, you're a wigger on ritalin yeah you're <laughs> fucking yeah plus you're you're you have the underlying you know diagnoses that all comics have so you're still mm -hmm. need attention and you're a hundred percent yeah and i'm like what is this what is this show where nobody's paying attention to me where <laughs> was the first concert then when when and where was that my first ever concert was was uh warp tour in probably, I was 15 years old, so probably 2000, Jimmy Eat World was playing. Uh, Dropkick Murphys was playing. I actually went with my wife. She was my friend, or my girlfriend kind of at the time. I don't know if we were dating or... You guys are high school sweethearts? We are, yeah. Good and for you, like, man. Like, grew up next door to each... I mean, we've each dated other people, so it's not psychotic. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. I was about, that was the next question. I was like, eh. I'm like, not the only dick in your life kind of guy. Yeah. Like, if you don't have anything yeah. besides this, eventually <laughs> your mind will wander. <laughs> like, this isn't going to leave somebody satiated forever. Oh. <laughs> Especially if Green Day is your favorite band. They're not, they're not like a fucking, they're not like men. They're like, mm -hmm. they're just like grown men child, almost like elflings. Yeah. Like, there's, they're, they're, like, there's something very pixie-esque about... Billy Joe Armstrong, mm -hmm. um, fucking Mike Durnt. Durnt. And Trey he, Cool. He seems like the, Mike Durnt seems like the, uh, oh damn, who's the guy that played, he's Scottish, he played Obi-Wan Kenobi later in life. Oh, Ewan McGregor. He's very Ewan McGregor. Yeah. I, always, I always got that from him. Just, you know, he's, he's a cool dude. And then Trey Cool, who I've actually met a few times. Actually, I met Mike too. Yeah, so tell me where you were, how'd you get into them, all that stuff. Take me yeah. through the journey of why they become your favorite band. So I, I literally remember the first time I was I listened and heard Green Day. It was it was in front of my house in Fort Montgomery, New York, which is right outside of West Point. I lived in a neighborhood of all older boys, so all we did was we were just outside. We were feral cats. Yeah. Every I you know, that was in the days where you just went out in the morning and then you didn't come home until dinner or whatever. And that's like, that was what my whole life was. So all of, sorry, I just dropped my phone. That wasn't me panicking. <laughs> oh, we're good. Um, but uh, so all these older boys, I think the first album I ever heard was Pearl Jam's 10. They, they introduced me to that. They started to show me like a couple of these things. And then whenever Longview came out, that was the first time I had heard anything like that in terms of that bass line, which to me even still kind of, you know, sounds a little hip hoppy. So it makes sense to me that I really related to it or, or really liked it immediately. That and just the subject matter, like I said, being a nine year old, having that sense of humor of like Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, Ace Ventura, and then these guys talking about sitting around, jerking off, shitting, like all day, whatever, feeling goofy. I was like, man, I have never related to something more in my entire life. And all, and just the simple fact that the older boys also liked it was more of an avenue into it because I thought I was also gaining, like I was becoming cool. Do you, so you think that, that Green Day is a cool band? You think that they're a band that like- <laughs> I've recently found out they're not. Like people, I, anytime I tell people that they're my favorite band, they give me that kind of like you surface. No, ass. I don't think that's. Look, I. 
fuck. I don't. I don't want to sit there and sh- and yuck your yum about. <laughs> you don't. Here's the thing. Everybody has yucked every one of my yums to this point where I don't care. Like I am self-sustained when it comes to my interests. You yeah. don't have to agree. It's perfectly fine. But their career has been like this. All right. So they initially come out. We could say Kerplunk, but no one knows Kerplunk unless you're a diet. No, in 1039 smoothed out slappy hours. That was one of their. Uh, early albums as well. well i expect that from you that they're your favorite band you should probably be able to name every song in order everything this is your favorite band then dookie you're talking long view basket case welcome to paradise when i come around yeah. i mean those are long view which is the first single is probably the worst of those four <laughs> right. as far as like poppy yeah yeah i mean totally. great great baseline the baseline i think was what got me yeah then you have insomniac which i don't know brain stew oh i love That's that the only, i don't know geek steak breath uh, walking contradiction is a great song and great video okay then you have then you have nimrod mm-hmm. hitching a ride how's that one go um shit how does that go? Well, you do that. I'll do uh, Good Riddance, Time of Your Life, which changed the game for graduation ceremony, parties, final episode of Seinfeld. Well, did they really play that? So they did. I remember before the final. This is also because, so not only did my friends like this band, but my father, who was like a musical snob and not even like, he's it doesn't even know like any deep cuts or anything like that. He was just... Super into Clapton, like, you know, Mark Knopfler, fucking Marshall Tucker band, like all that shit. So anything I would bring to the table, he'd immediately poo-poo and say was dog shit. But for whatever reason, he said, he's like, Green Day kind of reminds me of the Beatles. He's like, the way that their harmonies are, the tightness of their songs, and the way that they just, like, are one uniform group as opposed to, like, individual artists that you could tell just kind of came together for a track. He's like, they, they feel Beatle-ish to me. And like that affirmation from my dad, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, okay, now I really like this band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which, which is funny, you know, because they are, this is a pop band. They might be punk, but I mean, good riddance. And I mean, fuck, going back to it, when I come around, um, even Brains do. I mean, these are all perfectly written pop songs when i come around and welcome to paradise are pop songs it's almost it's the way people green day has a thing where it's like yes they're punk and the way that nirvana yes is grunge and is rock but it's really just like beach boys-esque pop music 100 yeah about a girl morty my buddy morty always talks about it. he goes yeah dude it's like you, you can't think that they weren't a pop band he's like about a girl well and they got a lot of shit from that from the punk community especially initially because they were playing all those small venues they were a punk sensation the entire like that that whole genre lifted them up and then they almost felt like they were being fucked with because they went the poppy router they at least signed with a major label they had all of these super consumable songs and they became so popular that it felt like an affront to the punk community but i look at it because of course i'm not a real punk fan or at least you know not like a purist i look at it as like hey man you have to have these crossover acts that introduce people to a genre so because of green it's the same way how starbucks has introduced people into like other local co- coffee places Green Day is the Starbucks of punk in the sense that they have been a conduit to people then getting into actual like real nitty gritty punk music. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Sure, at no, I I completely agree with what you just said. Oh, and let me so to cement my fandom in this group. In fourth grade, I went to the greatest birthday party of my entire life. My buddy's father was a was a musician and he had studio access and he brought my friend my friend Paul and like 10 of our friends into a studio and we did sing-alongs to Green Day Dookie. Really? Yeah. 
And we were somewhere I have that album of like just 10 kids be like, sick of all the same old shit. <laughs> and they're like trying to get us to not curse, but we're having the most fun uh, cursing. How can you not? Uh. I mean, cuss words were. It still feels good to Sam. Mm -hmm. um, so, so like, so we just went through a bunch of the records. I'm trying to figure out where, how big were they when this record came out? Because I'm Huge. looking, because I'm looking, and every, you know, every album we've gone through. Nimrod, which had some hits. Warning, Minority, Warning, Waiting. Uh, then mm -hmm. there's like a tune in Tokyo, and I, I don't know what that is. I think that's just like a China, a Japanese thing. Then you have Shin International Super Hits. Yeah. Yeah, where finally J.A.R. was on an album, which is my favorite Green Day song of all time. J.A.R.? Because it initially, I think it was, I just got the Dookie tapes, that like 30 anniversary thing that showed yeah. some of the studio sessions. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. But J.A.R., it's the only song Mike Durnt wrote. He wrote it about their friend who died, and it was written for Dookie, but never saw the light of day until the movie Angus, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Such a fucking great movie. I remember. And that it. song coming on in that movie, I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. what is this Green Day song? And it completely cemented my love for them. The day that this record is released, mm -hmm. where are they? Are they, the, are they that big? They, so they're, they're a big band, but this was their jump to like being a stadium act. So nobody thought that Green Day would be a stadium act. They thought they would play big venues because of just general interest, but nobody, you know, like, certain groups can fill the space with their sound. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Like, my wife and I saw the Lumineers at Barclays, and this is no no slight on them, but it felt like we could have and should have seen them in a coffee house. Like, it probably would have been a much better show. Yeah. They could fill that space, obviously, with the interest, but the, their music doesn't, like, it doesn't command it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Green Day, when they did this, which is why I love them as a band also, because of their evolution, because of their refusal to stay within just the punk rock, like this is the three chords that we play and this is the topic and this is what we have to do. They just expanded and continued to grow as musicians and challenged their audience to this was like, I mean, who does this? The Who? The Who did this with Tommy. This became a fucking Broadway show. Like this elevated them beyond just, you know, just playing music. They are now an art group. Yeah, you know that that that's cool as shit to me when when audio when artists take that chance. Without a doubt, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, so this is they 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 decide to go deeper uh, in their themes. They want to do a punk rock opera. The album story follows Jesus of Suburbia, an adolescent antihero that is divided between rage and love. The former expressed by his alternate personality, Saint Jimmy, and the latter with his significant other. What's her name? Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, they're so deep. <laughs> Through its plot, the album expresses this is where it gets. This is where it gets good. Mm -hmm. This kind of shows you what's going on in the world too. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is where you're like, fuck, man. Well, because this is post 9-11, like the George W. Bush, like they were very Iraq War, dude. Yeah, they they became pretty involved. This is this is they they've already been fighting in the war for a minute. Uh, it's got not going well. We're four years away from the economic the crisis, the 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 housing market, um, the disillusionment and dissent experienced by a generation that came of age during various turmoil, including the Iraq War, perhaps the last true mainstream punk album in the sea of pop punk. American Idiot captures the spirit of punk, reckless youth, substance abuse, passionate but short-lived love, and dissatisfaction with an increasingly hypocritical and authoritarian government. Who who wrote that that they said this was a true punk album? 
Because I, I don't disagree. I'm just curious. I don't know. It, it, this could be like a Robert Cousteau. Cousteau. Mm-hmm. He's he's uh, one of the um, the critics that my 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 dude Adam, who gets all my research for me. Yeah. I used to do all of this. Yeah. I used to fucking spend 10, 15 hours an episode, and then <laughs> Spotify paid me an absurd amount of money. <laughs> For a year, and I stopped doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I paid people to do it. Yeah. And now, I don't even know if we pay the people to do it. They just still do it. And I love them. God bless Adam, dude. Um, no, it's, dude. I mean, I was just saying this to you, man. It's like, there's people that will come up to me, and they're like, they're excited to hear us talk about this. Because I think people are just fans. Yeah. This is a, this is a, all right. I want to, I want to try to see if I can say this in the most you know not because it's not bad what i'm going to say there there are there is stuff in here where i i I don't follow the story at all sure i listen to this record i I, and that's just my thing where it's like i don't process lyrics like that i hear the phonetic sound and that's how i learn shit Mm -hmm. american idiot is such a good fucking song yeah all five movements of jesus of suburbia are are it's a nine minutes you know it's longer than that it's it's long dude. well and that's coming from a two minute song band like they decided they're like all right like that's a one-liner comic deciding i'm now going to story tell that it's pretty fucking impressive man. that's why neil brennan used three mics <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is the most it's to take everything that we knew about green day beforehand and then throw it out. And you go, here's an adult record with themes, dude. I mean, Boulevard of broken dreams. Um, wake, I mean, dude, wake me up when September ends. I mean, that's, I remember the music video of that being like being heavy. Yeah. Well, I just, it was about his father that died. Uh, So yeah. Or I think that was the initial impotence of this or inspiration of the song, but it's like, all of these songs also because, you know, they go through a phase, right, where you listen to it, it becomes overplayed, then it gets used to do some other shit. Like, Wake Me Up When September Ends has been used ad nauseum to depict some sort of sad scene in whatever the fuck movie. You know, American Idiot has also been misused and other stuff. So it can kind of, like, cloud how good it was as a standalone. And I'm glad that I haven't listened to this album in a while because I listened to it on my way in and a little bit yesterday and, like, Wake Me Up When September Ends, especially revisiting it as a dad with the information that he wrote it about his father that passed, instantly emotional. <laughs> like, in- instantly, like, connected more to oh. it. It's just, it's it's so fucking beautiful. The song that you sang to start this, which is uh, are, are We The Waiting, that song to me is, like, it's, it's one of their best songs ever. It's not that celebrated. And it sounds like... You know, so I'm a huge Bill and Ted fan. I love those movies. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I Even just, the new one? I mean, I watched it. I'm not a huge fan, but I was glad that they Even, did wait, it. Even, wait, what was the big... the big Bogus Journey rule, but, dude. But How dare you? Weird, what was the weird things named in Bogus Journey? Station. Yep. <laughs> the, two, the two things that merged and became <laughs> one. Station. <laughs> Station. Uh, I am a huge, huge Bill and Ted guy, but that song reminds me of the music that Bill and Ted made to save the world. Just an epic, like, like triumphant ballad. You know what I mean? Just something with those, like, the echoing snare and the, like, like everything just sounds so big and filling and it you feel like a stadium of people singing it yeah even when you're just listening to the song the, i i gotta give a shout out and I, i've never fucking stopped an episode to do this but um you gotta give the production in this is um 
for a punk record. It's it's just very advanced. I don't know what Rob Cav Cavell Rob Cavallo. Yeah. Uh, no, he's he's done a bunch. Yeah, he's done Lincoln Park. Nice. My Chemical Romance. Eric Clapton. Alaris Morissette. Like yeah, this is um. This is a very, very well put together record. Well, and it's got a very specific and intentional Jekyll and Hyde vibe to it, too, because like as I'm going through Spotify, you know, some of these songs are grouped together, obviously, because they're supposed to. But Are We the Waiting and St. Jimmy are back to back. And St. Jimmy is probably the most traditional Green Day song on the entire record because it's just so fast. It's so upbeat. It sounds like it could have been on any one of their albums. But then coming off of the heels of Are We the Waiting, it's like it's such a cool transition because you're like, oh, this was so not them. And then they just had to remind you of who the fuck they were at the, at the end of it. Green Day, after this record became so big yeah they could do anything yeah. that they wanted do you know what this kind of felt like also is like this felt like they had nothing to lose like even though it's a huge project and it became even bigger with the broadway show and all of that stuff i don't know if they wrote i they probably wrote that with that in mind like oh we probably could if it does turn into something be that but it feels like such a departure that they were like we're cool being this big forever and we just want to do shit that we want to do, which is write this anti-authoritarian punk rock musical that has all of this different. Sh I mean, when is when is Broadway had something like that on it? When's the last time? Like Jesus Christ Superstar? Or I guess what was that other one where Tom Cruise was uh, in it? That, uh, that Rock of Ages. Rock of Ages. Dude, dude, this dude, music is constantly taking uh, people's catalogs and turning it into like Neil Diamond, Beautiful Noise, Michael Jackson. People said that Michael Jackson show oh, right. was one of the best Broadway shows you could have ever seen. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. To go into this with a story in mind is, I always think it's like really fucking cool. The Who did it, and and that and that was like some of their best work too. Yeah. Can I also say, especially considering now in 2024, this is a refreshing way for an artist to share their perspective, because now you got like your Mark Ruffalo's or your whoever the fucks speaking as themselves, which they're technically. This is what Rob McElhenney said. He's like they're technically breaching the unwritten contract of artists to audience. Where now, whenever I see Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, I know he's super liberal, like the Hulk, <laughs> super yeah, yeah, progressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's weird. You can't really disconnect. <laughs> and it's not that I have a problem with it, but it's still in the back of my mind while watching his shit. Yeah. And Rob McElhenney said he's like. Dude, stop talking as yourself. You could do it, whatever. He's like, I'm not here to tell you what, you what to do, but like our job is to express ourselves through our art. So if you have a perspective that you want to share and you want to get your opinion out there, 
do it through your art. That's what you are. You're a fucking artist. And Green Day, instead of getting on a bullhorn and standing on the steps of the Lincoln Monument and saying, this is what's wrong with America, they created a fucking show that said what they wanted to say. I would like to see the the actual play of this. I Me really, too. I would really like to listen to this and actually try to read the lyrics as I go through it. I used to do that with the records. I'm more that way with hip hop than I am with uh, with rock, which is weird. Like rock, I'm all about the musicality and the the way it makes you feel. And I, I obviously love great production when it comes to hip hop as well, but like I'm a Kendrick fan, I'm a Wayne fan, Eminem, Biggie, like I love lyricists and I love guys that write, which is why I continue to love Eminem. He constantly is challenging himself, constantly, like he sees the young generation coming, so he's not like resting on his laurels as a, as a great. He's like, no, I'm gonna keep fucking pushing myself and see where I can get to as an artist. Whether or not you like him is almost irrelevant. Like, I just like people that continue to push themselves. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, so reading the, some of the, the little the, little like doodles we have here, this, the band underwent an image change wearing red and black uniforms on stage to yeah. add more theatrical presence to the album during performances and press events. I don't remember that. I do, because every fucking goth kid in my high school or, <laughs> or college was wearing that to like home cut like you know the untucked black button down with the loose red tie and the tight okay uh, tight yeah. black jeans yeah yeah i know with the talking. cons and the fucking uh, chain wallet and all that so it was a very oh man the emo the emo looky is that like would you call that emo it, like yeah i mean it definitely was a uh, it went that good charlotte took a lot from that i'm sure i i dated uh a girl that that dated benji for a few years he's from maryland no kidding oh dude, she was so is that the one who's married to cameron diaz or is that the other one? I think the other one. Okay. The funniest <laughs> thing, to give you an idea of when this was. Yeah. It's a true story, everybody. She was so hot. And I. she came from Waldorf, which is that area that they lived, and drove her to my parents' house. We're ravers. And I take her out to the nicest restaurant I know, which is... Uh, which is Cafe Maletto. Cafe Maletto, dude. That was that was that might as well have been fucking the four seasons. Like I was like, this is Wolfgang Puck level food. And I take her there and then we go back to the uh to my parents' basement, which is where I have my sex layer. Damn right. And we start hooking up and just give just give you this for example when it is in the in the world. The Dave Chappelle Killing Me Softly special came out that night. God damn. And so we started watching it. And then I started eating her out oh, as I'm watching the special. <laughs> I don't remember, but I definitely. DC is uh, different. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I definitely, he, I laughed into her pussy, so I buffaloed. I was like, let's <laughs> put air into it. <laughs> you blowfished her. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, God damn, man. Great, great memories, mm -hmm. man. Uh, um, so, so to go back, going back to what we were saying about where the band was at when this yeah. came out. So they took a break after warning. Uh, they began what they planned to be the next album, Cigarettes and Valentines. However, recording was cut short when the master tapes were stolen. Oh, yeah. Following this, the band made the decision to start their next album from scratch. The result was a more societally critical, politically charged record, which returned to the band's punk rock sound, following the more folk and power pop of Warning. Mm -hmm. uh, with influences not ex to, that they never explored on their older records, the band underwent an image change, like I said. This this became one of the most anticipated releases of 2004. It marked a career comeback. So that's what I was asking. Yeah. Yes. This is this this record made them this this from this point on. Green Day became Ari Shafir. Yeah. They we, can do whatever the fuck they want now. They can do whatever like, they we want. They're like we back up. 
Yeah. They, at that point, they were kind of, they just plateaued. And, and the musical change, I mean, I like, I like all of their albums because I just... I, once your I, favorite group. Yeah, and once I decide to commit to something, I, whether or not I like it is almost, it doesn't matter. Like, I just, I like watching the evolution and journey and different shit. And, like, the warning is, like, a folksy kind of, like, almost acoustic album kind of in, in parts. But it's totally different. So to hear that they were making a whole album that had mirrored that sound and then it got stolen and they didn't decide to re-record it and instead went a completely different direction one it's like where the hell was that thief sent from like god <laughs> like the, who yeah. who intervened to do that that's wild and the the bravery of a group or of any artist to just decide like well, that's gone. Let's completely start this from scratch. I wasn't feeling that anyway. I have a whole new direction to go to. Let's do this. And then to execute it like that, that's uh, that's another level. Really? Well, wow. They they did execute it perfectly. It, uh, it charted in 27 countries, reaching for the first time the top spot on the Billboard 200 for the group and peaking at number one in 18 other countries. It has sold over 16 million copies worldwide, Holy making it the shit. second best-selling album for the band behind Dookie. One of the best-selling albums of the decade, it was later certified six times platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America in 2013. It also spawned five successful singles, American Idiot, Holiday, Wake Me Up, Jesus Suburbia, uh, and the Grammy Award for Record of the Year, huh. uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah. It was nominated for Album of the Year and won the award for Best Rock Album. Uh, it also was nominated for some other shit. And then it became this successful Broadway musical and a documentary and planned feature film adaption. Did they, they didn't do a movie, though. Did they ever film? Did they film the Broadway show? Because I, I would watch that. Probably. I bet you could find it on like YouTube. Yeah. Oh, I also have to say that one of the reasons why I feel a kinship to Green Day is because I have a chipped front tooth, just like Billy Joe. Um, this tooth is fake, or at least half of it is. So I have the exact like chip that Billy Joe Armstrong has. Really? And I was considering keeping it because of him, but my mom wouldn't let me. Dude, she's there's like, a there's a girl, um, and I can show you a picture of her. She's she's this little like rocker chick that I guess listens to the podcast, or she did, and and we I we never hung out. Mm. She's cute, sure, but she looks young. But she's cute. But she's like I think she's like twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Um, Here's open, dude, <laughs> dude. One of the things that she did is she had her front tooth removed here because she thinks it looks like punk. Yeah, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show this to you. I like a natural gap. I don't know if I like people asking to get their teeth kicked in. Just uh, dude, to, it's it doesn't look. A look certain here's way. the thing: is it doesn't look bad, right? Uh, I want you to see. Hold on. I wonder hold if on. she did like computerized mock-ups of her face before getting uh, it officially it's, done. This is like. Oh yeah, wait. She got the whole thing removed. She got the tooth taken out. It looks like. She looks like Stav. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't look bad. No, it's it weird. It's like, and then there's like videos of her like talking, and you're like, you know, yeah. She looks like Alfred E. Newman, and I'm almost positive she did it like because she thinks it looks cool. And there was the other funny thing. Yeah, this is her with teeth. Like, she looks cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's cute. She's yeah. young looking, but, you know. Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I, dude, now I got a couple of days off. Maybe I'll ask her out. 
The band's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2015 for the first year of eligibility, which is mm. a huge deal. Yeah. They've sold over 90 million records worldwide, making Holy. them one of the best-selling music artists of all time. The group's been nominated for 20 Grammy Awards, won five of them, with Best Alternative Album for Dookie, Best Rock Album uh, for 20... Yeah, they tried to do this again, didn't they? They tried to do yeah. this with 21st Century Breakdown, except nobody was like, nah. Nah. People were like, nah. Yeah, and that, that makes sense because it's like the the reason why it was so good was because it was unexpected and it was a com it was a complete departure from what they were doing so to try to like duplicate that is almost always a mistake you know what I mean? Like, it, I, I, there's very few sequels that pan out. Obviously, like Terminator 2. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens was better but than But again, Alien. that's a new take on it because yes. it went from a sci-fi to then an action movie. So it's like, it's almost a different genre. I would say it went from horror. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's why I meant. Alien is a fucking slasher movie, mm -hmm. dude. Uh, and Aliens. Yeah. It's James Cameron. I mean, that's arguably... I mean, you're talking... If you go through like like what's your with sort of Dookie not Dookie Green Day's your favorite band what's yeah. your favorite movie my favorite movie is is rad like it's a 1986 BMX biking movie yeah. yeah I named my son after the lead character you really so, yeah, sure what a did. fucking dork dude I am man I really am but so my daughter gleaming the cube <laughs> <laughs> here's my uh, second son Marty McFly. <laughs> I mean, I look, I, I, I've always thought about what I'm going to name my child. I think, like, I, I'm such a huge John Lennon fan. I always thought, like, Lennon would be a name. Plus, yeah. I also, plus I'm also, like, I, I'm fascinated by communism, but I just know it doesn't work. But, yeah. And he's not popular, really, to say that to the outside world that you're like, no, nah, I believe in. You name your you kid know. Mao? <laughs> Dong, Zedong, <laughs> Zedong. No, this guy was Lennon. Lennon. Oh, it only, it's yeah. only John Lennon, but it's also Vladimir. Oh, Lennon. right, but it's spelled differently. The the Russian. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, God, what's your so besides Rad? Yeah, I mean, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Like, I like. I'm a Scorsese guy too, so I'm like Wolf of Wall Street. Really rings true so to me because my father was in Pump and Dump stock market when I was a kid. I watched his. Uh, his partner get get taken out by the FBI when I it was like take your son to work day. So like I heard all that language. That movie really fired me up and I liked it. So yeah. that's I like I like serious movies that also play as comedies. Oh God, yeah. Fargo. Yeah. I've never seen I've never seen Fargo, I know. It's like there's I have a block because all I do is rewatch things and re-listen to things. Fargo is that was that was one of those movies I remember me and my dad, like you said this is such a great thing that you just said to this and then to have the stories. Mm. We saw it in the theater, laughed the entire time. The movie ended and the lights come on and we're getting up and this woman and her friend who they're sitting right before, either in front of us or behind us, they look at me and my dad, they go, how could you have laughed during that? Like, that wasn't <laughs> funny at all. And we laughed the entire time. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's how good Fargo is. It's that dark yeah, and that fucking violent. But I don't know. I think violence can be really funny. I mean, dude, the fucking the Pulp Fiction, the you know, the shooting the guy in the back of the head in the car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest laughs of the fucking movie. We were talking about sequels. You know, I don't know anything off of the next record. I actually, I I think I listened to it like once, 
and then I have this ability to pretend it never happened. Like I have this ability, right? Even when you said that album, I was like, I don't even know you that. You don't even know it. And then as soon as you, as soon as I started thinking, I'm like, oh, I remember the idea and the the criticism that they received for more or less trying to duplicate lightning in a bottle. There's like, all right, like, let me see if I can put. I'm gonna put this in the. I'm gonna say this like a stupid person, which is what I am. This people do. People sucked this album's dick. Yeah. Yeah, sucked yeah. its dick and yeah. barely gave a hand job yes. to 21st century. And I'm talking a fucking like, okay, fine. Yeah, just go to sleep. You right, know what I mean? Right, right. Like, okay, just stop bothering me. Just take it. And- yes. Well, people suck this album's dick so much that I that there was like backlash. Like people were like, it's actually lame. Like this sucks. Really? Like it's too popular. Well, when anything gets too like, a certain height, sure. people's first impulse is to tear it down. So I remember that there was actually more because they began, they got so big, there was also more backlash against Green Day as a group where it's like, this actually isn't punk. Like, this sucks. You guys are actually doing mainstream Broadway shit. Like, what are you doing? Funny that you say that. Besides, besides the fucking opening track and a couple others, I mean, there's not many in here that I would say feel like a punk rock record. I, I think, you know, a lot of this is uh, rock and roll, pop. I mean... That one St. Jimmy is like, that to me is the closest to their original sound. Yeah, I mean, Wake Me Up When September Ends is is a... It's a pretty it's song. It's anthemic. Yeah. It's, it's pretty. It's like, you know, it's fucking uh, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I mean, that's a huge chorus. Yeah. Uh, American Idiot is, yes, is that's a punk song. Well, and think about like, when did, uh, what was the song before that that you said, the graduation song? Uh, Time of My Life. That was the album before or a couple albums before? Because that, like, then those couple ballads in a row, I mean, Billy Joe must have, like, looked at himself in the mirror and is like, am I the new great ballad writer? (laughs) Yeah. Like, is this what this is? Should I just continue to write power ballads for the rest of my fucking career? I mean, dude, when you write good pop, you write good pop. I want to read this shit because I, I got a question I want to ask you. I mm-hmm. think this would be interesting. So uh, here's here's the we're not, I don't know how deep everybody we're going to go into the actual songs, but I've got a lot of facts that I think are going to be cool for you guys. So the band's longtime producer Rob Cavallo wasn't certain that they could pull this off. Uh, the truth is, when they started making American Idiot, they were each living their own separate lives, and no one was really sure how the chemistry was going to be. They all had to deal with a lot of personal stuff before they could get great again. Uh, so I love that. So their their success is happening. You know, the next couple albums aren't as good as the ones that before. So now they're splitting up. Probably the tensions. You know, hey, well, we gotta- they, I think they each had young kids at the time. Like they were, they were like, hey, man, we've been a rock, we've been rock stars for a long. I mean, you see it happening kind of even now with comics where it's like they've been on the road so heavy since everything opened up post-COVID that people are like, what the fuck? Like, am I going to be on this hamster wheel for the rest of my life? Not me. I canceled my wheel. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, ju- <laughs> I'm jumping off. You ever see that? You ever see that video of the guy? Like, it's like the dude in the train where he opens up the train doors and he tries to jump and he just yes. goes like sideways. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that was what I did today. Um, All right, let me read this because I want to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. So uh, they got to get work through all the shit. Then they first came to me and said, let's get the band back together and make this the best rock record we can. I wasn't really sure they could do it. Mm -hmm. Once they got in the studio, Cavallo was impressed with the band's dedication to the project. He continued, they had all made a commitment. And I was lucky enough to be there at the beginning of that commitment. So I'd go up there on a Monday and leave on a Friday. And we'd be in the studio 12 hours a day writing and conceptualizing. They were so focused and so invigorated that honestly, the main role was to be their coach, telling them that I believed in them 
They did the rest. Now, here's where we're getting to the question. Okay. Green Day had to start the album over from scratch after the masters for around 20 songs were stolen from the studio. Right. Uh, they had completely finished these songs and we were getting ready to mix them. Wow. They were like almost done. Yeah, yeah. We walked out of the studio, came back the next day. All the masters had been stolen. But American Idiot was about making mistakes and fixing them. I do hope that some at some point It'll come that out. album does like Wu Tang and just come out of nowhere, and then you know people get to hear it. The best thing that happened to them is that that album didn't come out following Warning. The best thing that could have happened was this album, right? For sure. So it's kind of, it, but I don't think it's probably dog shit. No, I bet it's not. I'm sure it's good, but it would be great if it came out out of order and just like a, as a surprise. If they're writing in the vein of what we got, then yes. If it's more of, you know, the shit we talked about, their other records that was kind of where they put them in the stalemate, I don't know. It probably was, but I'd still be interested in hearing it. 100%. Yeah. You know, we just did, when I did it with James Mattern, uh, there's a Bruce Springsteen record called Nebraska uh -huh. that is a demo. Yeah. He, they tried to record the songs, yeah. but he did in he just, just his bedroom. He just got that vinyl, didn't he? What uh, he just James, got yeah, the yeah, vinyl, it was yeah, dude, it was perfect. Also, it was make a wish for him on this podcast because Bruce Springsteen <laughs> is somebody we usually are given to like, yeah, like a big name, sure, and and it's just it, it just because of my trip, it just worked out to be him, and it was that's, perfect. That's awesome. You were supposed to be Jelly Roll. Yeah, you you were supposed to be Jelly Roll. <laughs> Hell yeah! But Jelly Roll became became Rihanna in the last three months. Okay, and he's one of the biggest artists in music. So. It's you. <laughs> Thank you, Jelly Roll. All right. Have you ever been a victim of burglary or been robbed? Um, no, no. Really? I've, ne I've never been burglarized. Uh, knock on wood. I've been I've been robbed in the sense that like one of my friends took a fucking pair of sneakers or something like that. You know, but nothing. Uh, oh, actually, my friend Timmy, which he'll laugh at this, and I actually this is, this is a true story. My friend Timmy, when I was a kid, I had a pair of Jankos. It was the only pair of Jankos I was allowed to own. I think they were on sale for thirty dollars, as opposed to the their big normal. Ones? The big, oh, yeah. the big, the big. How big? Like how many? They inches weren't you that big, so they were khaki ones. They were the ones my mom would buy me. Kickwares. So they no. were a little. They were wide. They were like what kids wear now, but not like crazy. You know, almost Asian kid doing light stick dances. I had, I had those. An Asian yeah. light stick dance pants. Yeah, I didn't Asian have light stick dance pants. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And my friend Timmy asked if he could borrow them. And I said, yeah. So I was like, yeah, whatever. You borrow my pants. And so I went to his house to, to get them back. And he had cut the bottoms of them because they were too long for him. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, that means they're your pants now. And he's like, oh, is that not cool? And I'm like, well, that's insane. Yeah. So then, so he basically robbed those of me from me. And then I... In, in a retaliatory thing, I tried to leave his house that day with like one of his best basketballs, and he just caught me. Really? And, yeah, and I rolled it back to his house. I was like, all right, caught, and then ran back home. I think I've been, you know, I'm trying to think if I've really been rob robbed. I, I mean, I have. I was mm -hmm. robbed. Um, I've told this story, but I was I was uh, robbed at, at Choke Point. Oh, I no think they, yeah, these these I was buying Oxycontin in downtown LA. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a dude that looked like uh this with this one black guy I was dealing with who I've never seen him. He was wearing such a, a nice outfit, but his face looked like I mean, just 
like scarred and it was just it was so scary yeah um we went to just it's long story short uh, he had a friend that came up behind me and like like started choking me and then they covered my and they were like you're gonna die and, Jesus was like, and, then, and then they ripped my pants and i had 30 dollars in one of my pairs of pants in right. ones that i because i just dj at the strip club uh-huh. but then i had 700 and two pockets in my jacket which they didn't get wow and they so they that was me being robbed for for legit robbed I, my car broken into a couple times in la but it was a jeep so i left the door open lucky um, fucking robbery dude holy yeah. shit and and i got away and here's what's funny dude I run back to my car and I'm like so mad and I fucking I have my Glock so yeah. I go back there and I fucking killed both of them. <laughs> I mean, the look on your face was terrifying. <laughs> killed them both, but, but man, I'm and gonna choose to laugh at that. And then I fled to Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I fled to Indy. All right. Uh, has there ever been a time in your life or career when a major setback ended up in resulting in something better that was originally planned? Yeah, recently. Um, I was just uh, this past year, uh, I was up for a job or not even up. I was offered and given uh, pending contract negotiations, a job at Barstool. So they were going to produce my comedy special. They gave me uh, I had pitched a poker show to them. I was going to do that. I was going to do a podcast and then like a couple other things as well. I was going to be like fully ingrained in their engine. And basically they were going to try you know, to push. So seven months, eight months of fucking contract negotiations back and forth on the last letter of the contract. Truly, we're defining the word entertainment in terms of exclusivity and what that means for what I can do. And that day, Dave Portnoy bought back the company. Job went away disempowered you know kfc or at least got rid of the ny comedy thing that he had planned to do and uh i lost the opportunity and i thought i was like fuck man i think that's like that's like it like i don't know what i'm gonna do like this sucks i had planned i had the problem was it's not that like i couldn't deal with not having that opportunity the problem was i put a bunch of shit on hold in preparation for it and i did a lot of creative for the things that i was going to launch so all of my energy and focus for the year was on those things and then when it went away i was like kind of just left holding my dick and terrified like what the fuck am i gonna do yeah and as soon as that happened and i didn't get it uh chris de stefano my one of my best friends was like hey I'm going to either end my podcast or I need you to come on and co-host. Do you want to well, co-host? Why was he going to end it? It's, like- just, it's, it's heavy lifting to do one by yourself. Like he already had, hey, babe, that's doing great. Chrissy Chaos was just like, you know, and I don't know if he was really going to end it, but that's what he said, where he's like, it's just a lot to do by himself. And it's a lot to just get up for and feel motivated to to create and do. And he's like, I want to do this with one of, with my best friend. So let's fucking do it. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. And it's it's been way better it's yeah. it's like it's more freedom i'm doing it with somebody that i genuinely love and i'm and i it's all additive i don't have to carve out any exclusivity just, i can do whatever the you hell do whatever I want. you want and you can be funny and it gives you a place for that and chris has been like i mean i, I could get genuinely emotional about this but i i, I won't I, i'll just say like he's been so fucking generous with his audience and his fan base for me and he's producing my new special uh, special so yeah. he's like he is barstool <laughs> to me, and and my you know probably even a bigger platform. And and he's look, it's it's you know the whole one door closes, another one opens. Yeah. It always happens, you know. And funny and talent 
it, it's all it's what keeps us going. It's just that saying. It's like, listen, man. It's just like the the funny and talented rises. Yeah. So just keep doing what you're doing, and somehow they'll find you. Yeah. Um, and whether it's a fucking podcast or one video fucking goes, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, you and never know. You never know, and and I mean, yes, that sucks about barstool, but. Sure. I mean, it sounded like you weren't going to be able to do anything other than what they were trying to, right? It, 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 I wasn't. The only thing that they were really carving out was my podcast. So, which was here's the scenario at the time, which is why that ended. I mean, we had six months of purgatory, basically, where I told them I'm going to have to end this at a moment's notice whenever this contract gets signed. Yeah. So, we're all planning on doing our own individual thing. Then it gets dropped and nothing. And we're just like, I think we got to end this anyway because we've just been leaning that way. And it just felt like it had run its course. We gave ourselves a timeline to get to a certain level. We didn't hit our goals, which is perfectly fine. Disappointing, but fine. Yeah, and then you guys we, are so good together. Man. I know, but you know, shit, it shit happens. A lot of good shows get canceled. Sure. It is what it is. But uh, but we just like, it, it was just time, it was time to separate. And now we're all doing our own thing. And you know, e each of us has actually made, <laughs> has made headway since. It's so funny on the on the uh, piece of paper that I have here. Mm. I don't think they updated it with Mike Cannon. So my question is, which Jelly Roll song are you going to make into a Broadway adaption? <laughs> uh, my, I'm trying to think of what bit I would turn into a Broadway play. Yeah, well, what bit could you turn into a play? There you go. Uh, my, my story from the first album that I did called Mushroom Ken which even that bit, like I could expand that out into what the night truly was, because you know you gotta you gotta make it punchy if it's a joke and it's story and yeah. you know whatever. But this like this event, this guy just came in for the second mushroom trip of a day. He, I didn't know him. He was my friend's friend. He comes in, grabs six grams like instantly off the table, ate them, called the two girls we were hanging with whores <laughs> like instantly. Just and then from the trip, fr flipped the fuck out went into full psychosis, screamed at the top of his lungs for four uninterrupted hours. What? Was taking his shirt off, doing like a, like kind of a T-Rex walk for a while. We put him inside the house and we stayed outside, <laughs> like just to wow. separate him. And it, my buddy's house is like all glass windows. So we're kind of like watching a zoo exhibit of this yeah. guy losing his fucking mind. And uh, it became this whole thing where at the end, when he finally came down, like four to six hours later, he came outside, sat down silently next to me, lit a cigarette, and goes, I think the mushrooms just kicked in. <laughs> Dude, after having a wake full <laughs> after having a full episode, that was his his thing. He's like, you know, and then after that, he said a thing that I didn't even include in the bit because it just it it, it was overkill. But he looked at me and he's like, This is exactly how I pictured tonight going. It's like, what? This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The guy's a fucking. Yeah. I love that guy still. You're an animal. I don't talk to him, but I, I, there were years after that where I did stay in touch. God, you know what's crazy about this? And I, we've already been talking for so long, so we'll probably have to end it sooner, you know, sure. pretty soon. He's like, man, there's some great. My writer, really? There's This album just has so much shit to do. Little I mean, nuggets. Just like, yeah. Hit like, me with some. Let's, fa- let's, so, let's, let's right. hit a couple. Fuck. I mean, this is. So, so, people will want to hear it, and I apologize that I've been just bloviating so so you know no dude this is this the way it's supposed to go i don't like this is more of a question for you Mm. boulevard of broken dreams the song is about the estrangement and the recognition that the american dream can let you down the singer's hopes have been crushed and he finds himself very alone he leaves town has one crazy first night and now it's kind of like the hangover he's just walking thinking about whether it was the right decision leaving where he used to live and this is just a good question like it's like tell me about one of your worst nights ever <laughs> and, when, <laughs> and when you were down on your luck worst night ever i mean there's that continues to redefine itself over and over but um just as a kid like solo so without family stuff or anything like that i won't involve that just because there's been <laughs> plenty of sad sure, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, sad yeah. shit happens but like worst night i remember when i was in college and i was like really struggling with my depression and drinking i was new to drinking and i was i wasn't playing basketball anymore so it was like a pure life shift i didn't know what it was like to not be an athlete or have that outlet and i had just started thinking about stand-up but i wasn't getting into it yet and i was like just in complete identity purgatory and i i remember going to some party at i think it was like sig tau frat or something like that and i i drank mad dog 2020 remember this because it's the only time I've ever cried like in front of friends yeah. being boozed up and I just had a complete fucking meltdown outside of this uh, frat party I was like crying being that guy that was punching himself in the face like that whole thing like truly just awful 19 20 year old behavior and then I went into the party and I you know dried off my tears <laughs> went into the party uh, I ran into some kid at the keg who I had words with at a like a pickup basketball game yeah. earlier that night. And he apologized to me initially. He's like, hey, man, like, that was fucked up. Like, I'm sorry that was so crazy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was wild, dude. Like, we're, we're all good. We're all good. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know. And plus, if it happened, like, I would have kicked the shit out of you anyway. And I was like, what? And like, and he goes, yeah, yeah, it would have been, like, tough for you. And I was like, okay. And then I literally, like, ran him across the entire part, like, grabbed him by his chest, ran him across the party, slammed him into a bookshelf, and started baning him nice. in the rib. Like, like, tr- like tuning like, this kid up. He's just like, he's like, I'm telling you, dude, it, it's going to be bad. <laughs> it was the most athletic fight I've ever, I've ever given. Like, I, I fucked this kid up, but then... Like you ever you ever get into a fight and you're in the middle of something and your next memory is being outside. So like that's what happened. I was fucking this yeah. kid up in the ribs and my next memory is my shirt is torn. I'm on a gravel driveway standing and there's like 25 brothers 
facing me and I'm literally Eminem in the parking lot with an unloaded Glock basically swinging on fucking everybody being like let's go I'll fuck your whole friend up blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever and then I just then boom I'm cut to me being in my bed the next morning and I'm like what the fuck was that <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a pretty terrible night also though that that but though that you the fact that you had that good fight the athletic fight really wasn't that bad of a night yeah I mean that you know I have to put in a little bit of a win you throw that in there um, i mean i did get my ass kicked but my brain has done me the service of forgetting i mean there's just so much in this record that you know i'm trying to find this is where my having a producer here would be good mm. because then when we do it on zoom i'm always like is there anything we're missing and then they're like well actually yeah yeah blah 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 I, I don't you know i really don't it's it just it's mostly just telling the story which once we go through everything we've said mm-hmm you know, you know the story of what this is. Do you think this is their best record? No. I mean, it's not my favorite of theirs. I don't know if it's their best. Maybe musically it is. But uh, my favorite of theirs is still Dookie. It just, like, it has such an imprint on my life and, and musical taste. But, um, yeah, maybe musically this is their best one. Does Is it fair to say that American Idiot is a better album than Dookie, but Dookie has better songs? Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, it, you know what it I depends mean by what, that, yeah, right? of course. Yeah. It depends what you like in an album because it's also like this is kind of like a Kanye album, which sounds weird. Yeah, this is a beautiful dark twisted fantasy where it has a beginning, middle and end. There's a very clear linear arc to the character and to the progression of songs. What the other stuff is sounds like almost a Lil Wayne album where it's piecemeal and it's all these different songs and it's not it's not that there's no flow, but it's not necessarily thought of in a linear way. You know what I mean? So it depends what you want out of your album. If you want like more of that Jackson Pollock smattering of different kinds of shit, then you might like Dookie more. But if you like something that tells a story and is narrative, then this is the one. Let me tell you something, man. I, 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 I don't know if between this and the other punk rock opera, mm-hmm. which is My Chemical Romance, <laughs> The Black Parade, uh-huh. which I don't know if even that's punk. That might just be an emo. Sure. But there is but emo has that influence of punk. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean emo is just sad punk. Yeah, but but let me tell you something, dude. Like love like most of the songs on this or some stuff and then I'm like, all right, it's whatever. Mm. Fucking My Chemical Romance Welcome to the Black Parade is a fucking phenomenal record. I got to check it out. You've never listened to it? No, no. No. Listen to that mm-hmm. and and listen to it soon yeah. before I tape the intro of this. Okay. So then I can say you listen to it and I'll listen you to it that. on the way home. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Oh, it's so fucking good. And also like I'm now I'm friends with like one of the members. That's awesome. Um yeah, it's great. I did kind of bomb in front of him in front of uh at, at the Prudential Center. <laughs> I started it was a bad set. It just wasn't a they were just yeah. not warm up yet. And uh yeah, but he'd seen me kill before. Sure. Hey, listen, if anybody knows what a fucking bad set is, it's a musician. You he know. was very sweet. Yeah. He dude. was very sweet about it. He just he was like, man, you fucking murdered. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah, yeah. You were getting popcorn, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you, fucking, you didn't see any of this. All in all, look, I, I, I think that, you know, it, I, this and Dookie are both on the 500 greatest albums list. Mm-hmm. So I'll have you back for Dookie. Sick. Which will be in blah, 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 That's blah. That's got to be blah. up there, right? Let me see. Let me see. I really like your dog. Like a dog? I really like your dog. Yeah. She's the best. She's She really is the best. Dude, I'm, I'm telling you, like, flying with her and traveling with her, I'm, I can't believe I just started doing it. It, it, it made... 
Well, I do because you're now you're making money, so it makes sense you can bring fucking canine Sean Bradley on the fight with, <laughs> fight with you. <laughs> yeah, dude. I just have I just have fucking a dog Yinkadare, just fucking huge, just fucking thick and meaty. Yeah, Victor Wembenyama, the dog. Just yeah, dude. More meat though than Victor. Totally. Maybe Victor in like two years yeah. when he fucking gets the fucking dude and he's eating all the time. Yeah, right. But it just it changes everything, and that's the funny thing about doing this is that when she when people come over to the house, they they just even if they don't like dogs, yeah. By the end of it, they're like, "Yeah, I really like your dog." Oh, She's yeah. just very sweet. She's the um, best. So in 2010, a stage adaptation of this uh, the mu- musical nominated for three Tony Awards: Best Musical, Best Scenic Design, Best Lighting, winning the last two. So it won Best Scenic Design and Best Lighting. Just think about all that from the perspective of starting out in some fucking dingy shithole that you're playing, you know, your couple songs in front of all these kids, stage diving and all that shit, and then cut to however many years later and you're winning Tonys. Not Emmys, not, not Grammys, not what like winning not Tonys, Grammys, yeah. Tonys. The, hard, the hardest thing to win. Yeah. So Tonys are they say Tonys are harder well, than because an Oscar. it's actually about the thing. It's yeah. not necessarily about popularity because nobody gives a fuck about theater. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You know, we were talking earlier that I that I think is a perfect way because I want to to kind of end this about the band before going to the final questions. One, um, Dookie comes in at one ninety three, which would be September. I'll be this year, September twenty oh, fifth. Yeah. Let's go. Cool. It is twenty twenty four. God damn. And then. Um, that'd be cool too because we'll be below 200 holy shit dude that's i'm crazy. almost halfway through this that's i'm crazy. over halfway yeah you are it's 500 right hell yeah 9.68 years i'm thinking it'll take off eventually right about right about 75 <laughs> we get down to that fucking the thing is the best part about this is that it will live on forever because all it really does is take one episode and then that'll take off and then people will piecemeal pick out from the albums that they like, from the guests that they like, and from all those stuff. So once it's a complete collection, has that not been recording the no, entire time? No, it's been time? recording, thank oh, God. Okay. It has been recording. Check, <laughs> I saw check, you check, look check, check. Terrifi- no, I just, I was like, I, oh no. No, I've, I've kept my eye on it. <laughs> we changed the mic. It worked out perfectly. So we got the first half, we got this. Here's the thing is I think that this show, now we're starting to get into the thick of records that actually everybody knows. Sure. And I could see... Another Spotify, another Stitcher, or somebody too. Could we get guests that are like, you know, fuck, man. I mean, dude, Rain Wilson talking about pavement is pretty That's fucking cool. rad. That's very and to cool. have him go, you know, because like a lot of the episodes, Mike, I I'm using the album as a way to interview, and that's why. It's like if I if I don't know a lot about the record or we can't just talk or if like me it's not vibing with the guest. Yeah, I can always be like you know well, have you ever been burgled or whatever. Right, the right, fuck? right, right, dude. So it's it's you don't have to like the record to listen to the podcast. The people that are that love it, I mean, we have a solid audience of between you know twenty to thirty thousand an episode. It's great. Um, you know more on the lower, but it's starting to like I could see somebody being like, yeah, this is a good run. Yeah, because dude, you were talking about the fucking barstool gig. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, I'm talking, I, I, dude, I've told this story on here, but I'm gonna tell it again because it's a good one. We're, I'm doing, I'm doing, uh, Brian Eno with Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction mm-hmm. at his house wow. in, this is when I did it all live, yeah. at his house in Pacific Palisades. I bring my photographer, bring my producer, we do it. It's a great episode. As I get back into my car, I get a call from my agent at William Morris and she's like, She's like, just got off the phone with Access Television. They want to turn the 500 into a television show. Not are interested. Yeah. Yeah. They want to. They want to make a deal. 
Um, so, so I'm like, I'm going to Europe for a week. I'll take my mom to Italy. When I come back, we'll do it. But come back. This is March. 2020 mm-hmm. and i mean we, we did yes you know what's coming what happened I, <laughs> well so but it was just like we god damn I, bats I, dude let me tell you something dude it, for me it was so heartbreaking because you know like i had the spotify deal um they i didn't have to do anything they were gonna build us a studio mm. in downtown la it would have been legit even if we didn't do every episode and say we did you know they're like we'll work it out probably at least we'll do you know like 10 episodes a season sure so we'll just pick the best records and it just would have been so rad oh, and, the money, cool. and the money would have been great sure and then and then it just all went away everything Some, everything went away but something will replace it that's bigger and better sure. look at you man you, you did msg you're fucking crushing. You did Thank this you. entire tour with Jelly Roll. It is funny because comics, you know, we do, we're in this like, what's next, what's next, what's next, what I just did never happened kind of thing. And it, it does, it it behooves us to take a moment and try to experience gratitude. And I'm being as queefy as humanly possible. Be but I am, I'm on this tip, dude, because I'm... Uh, I'm so fucking cynical and I'm so and I've I'm I'm negative and that's not that's brainwashing. It's just as much brainwashing as somebody who is perpetually positive. So what's the point in being negative when I can just be positive instead, you know, and just not feel as bad? You're everything you're saying is right. And, you know, I hold on to the good moments more than I hold on to the bad now as I've gotten older yeah, before yeah. it used to be just all the trauma sure but now it's like oh man you know I told this the story I've told a million times about you know Rage Against the Machine having Tom Morello text me to say hey we're playing your song tonight are you coming and yeah. I'm, like, I'm like I don't have tickets and he's like I got you and, and being oh, there and man. pointing at me and be like I got yeah. and there's all these cool things the Jelly Roll shit been Madison Square Garden then you cancel <laughs> Indianapolis, Indianapolis. And yeah. you cancel the this. Hollywood of the middle, they call it. Don't say that. Because <laughs> that's the fucking, that's, I'm it's a kidding. big market, I'm isn't kidding. it? No. I got 3,000 followers on the Jelly Roll Tour in Indianapolis. 3,000 really? people from, yeah, from that show right there. <laughs> that's it right there. 3,000 people followed me. And and I couldn't get, dude, I'm telling you, my social media right now is, is I am being, I am, I'm not being shown. Sure. Nothing's getting out there. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to do. But if if you know how to fix it, I've got about thirty or forty thousand dollars, <laughs> and I will invest it in. Just build. That's right. Somebody that's listening is absolutely a social media manager, and they will reach out a hundred percent. Just do do everything. Just yeah. tell me what the fuck to do, and I'll do it. Josh has money and is looking to be burgled. <laughs> <laughs> and the dog is tough. Yeah. Even though she loves, she's tough. True. All right, let's ask you these questions. Um, God, dude, you're coming back. We'll have you back on. Um, just too much fun. You're, 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 you're just, you're just, I love you, dude. I, I really love do, you, man. This is so fun. Um, we have some filler facts. Basket case, uh, off of Dookie is ranked 150th greatest song of all time by Rolling Stones, 2021 list. Wow. Billy Joe invites musicians on regular musicians on green day concerts. I know their band is bigger. I don't know who their other he, guys he, are. He basically he'll at a show. He'll bring people up from the audience that play, uh, instruments. To, uh, they, he brings kids up all the time. Yeah. I love that. I so mean, that I. is, that's one of the coolest things I think artists do. Dave Grohl does that often too. Like I, I dude, making somebody's life like that. I did that the whole tour. 
I would bring, dude. All I, it's I would, the best. The, the first set, all I would do is look at everybody and make characters. Yeah, yeah. You're Skeeter. You're big, sexy. You're the guy's got ginger. You're big, red. Yeah. Red shirt. Uh, drunk girl, Tina. You know, and I would just, I would just give them thing, and I would do it all at every show. And whoever was vibing the best out of those characters mm. by the third set. I would bring them on stage That's awesome. and I would do a little, I'd have them sing with me and do a little bit of the crowd worky shit. And, and dude, it was me of people like, yeah, like they're, they're in front of 20,000 people. There's like, <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, that, it, it, it dawned on me this weekend, how instantly de like desensitized you can be to some stuff. Like I did these theaters. I don't perform in theaters. I'm opening Ferrari at these theaters. And, and by the last one, I'm like, just comfortable as fuck. No big deal. Who gives a shit? There's a thousand people. What does that matter? I do thousand in my sleep. Yeah, <laughs> bro. But you don't realize that sometimes, I mean, when you look out there, like I did Radio City with Stefano, and looking out there is like, holy fuck, dude. So if I didn't even have the chops of performing in front of anybody and I got to see that, like somebody pulled me on and then from that vantage point, I got to look out at screaming people like, yeah, it would blow my mind forever. How do you even recover from it? You know, it's funny you say that because I I had a real, I got so comfortable doing those big rooms. It was nothing to the point where I'd be like, oh, God, I'm like, because I was just tired. You know, you've been on tour for fucking three months. Those last two weeks were rough. I bet. Um, but that being said, it was still you'd go out there, you'd crush. And then when it was all done. And I went back to New York and you're doing, you know, weekend gig. Thank God I had weekend. I've been working weekends mm -hmm. because that was enough for me to like, you know, and thank God I had the cellar, the village underground with the band. It yeah, gives yeah. me that high. But man, I mean, of course you get depressed. Of course. It's, it's yeah. Three, three months <laughs> yeah. living on the road and not having to think about shit. It's all yeah. just taken care of. You just got to worry about going up there and doing the show. And, and, and the second that was done, man. It was it was a hard adjustment. I bet hard hard adjustment. Um, and now I feel like I'm at a, a good place. But but then the same shit. The same that the same shit is like you fucking you then do <laughs> you saying. But now I feel like I'm in a good place after the what? after where this conversation has gone is the best. It's the best. I'm fucking. But now. Indianapolis. <laughs> All right. Um, Favorite song on this record? Uh, it's the uh, the the way we what is it? I I constantly am butchering the fucking title of the song because it's like such a goofy. Wake me up when September ends. <laughs> no, it's uh, are we the waiting? That's my favorite well, we song. Were young, yeah. Well, we were young, uh, like I said, man, there's something about that that like really makes you want to like almost raise your fists at the top of a mountain and just be like fuck yes you know you know I, I think i think mine is is one of the movements of jesus of suburbia i yeah. think i think that's the best song on this record um yeah. I, and the reason i say that is just there's movements mm -hmm. and i mean even one of them i mean granted their product their producer had to like probably teach them how to do that right because i don't know if green day is like a music theory group that understands but you know what's in that song jesus suburbia i wish I, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do this very ghetto rig because sure. i don't have my producer and i have to do this with you because i think you would get a kick out of it yeah yeah
Uh, you know what? You know what song that sounds like? What? Uh, hold on, you're gonna fucking flip oh, out. It's 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 almost. I I can't believe you. If if nobody else hears this. Oh yeah. That is. Uh, yeah. Let me play it again. I mean, it's, it's. Can we uh, can we also for a moment give Trey Cool his flowers for a moment, like just for a sec, because that guy and I don't know anything about music. I'm not a musician. I played electric bass for a little bit, but I was bad. I played stand up bass in the orchestra, and then I finagled that yeah, into electric bass. Uh, yeah, I was in jazz band. I was <laughs> terrible. Um, but uh, but I love Trey Cool, man. I think he's so good at drums, and I feel like he brings such a like distinct sound of his own that other drummers don't have where it's like you could tell a Travis Barker song from other people is that snare sound that's yeah. like really hard and, and just like the way he hits you can kind of like just you, you I could tell like by the impact he's making on the on the the skins but Trey cool has such a like such a fast but controlled way of playing drums and it 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 seems like way more clinical almost than it should be for a band like that you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's he's like I don't know. That again, I know nothing about the actual music of drumming, but I know what I hear and what I listen to and I love what he does. Yeah. I um give him his flowers. I think the whole band is um you know, it's it starts at the top. Yeah. And Billy Joe is like I said, he's this fucking little pixie elfling. Yeah. But he rocks, man. Excellent front. Um man. Excellent front man. And there's it's style and even the fact that he's like been married to the same woman his whole life, like that's why you love him. That is yeah, yeah, yeah. him and me. Him and you. All right. Uh what's your least favorite song on this record? Oh, I had that written down too. Um She's a Rebel. I, I mean I like all the songs, but that one's probably just on upon re listen, I was like, Oh, I could probably skip this. Yeah, I forget which ones really just didn't stick with me, but there's there's some stuff. There's moments that I'm really into it, yeah. and there's moments that I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Um, can you fuck to this record? Oh, interesting. Uh, that depends if you want her to cry or not. Because <laughs> I guess, I mean, every woman that has sex with me is technically walking the boulevard of broken dreams. <laughs> so I guess that could be a soundtrack. <laughs> That's hilarious. And also, I guess Cosby could fuck to wake me up when September ends. Uh, <laughs> Just a fun little joke. You, you can't fuck to this at all. No. This is not a fuckable record. It's not sexy at all. Uh, even removing the lyrical content yeah. and the subject matter, just basing it off of tonal sounds of the music. Right. It, it's American Idiot is not a punk rock is not fuckable music. No, I mean, unless you're super duper white and your hips move in like a real weird way. I don't even know what punk rock you could listen to to fuck to. Like, what would be acceptable? The only time, like, the the thing I'm thinking of, the only sex scene I'm thinking of is the one from American History X. <laughs> it's like, maybe they were fucking to punk rock. Yeah, but that's Nazi punk rock. <laughs> yeah, and they love, they love being Nazis and so much. And everybody fucks to that. Dude, Nazis love being Nazis. <laughs> they, they, More than any other group loves being that group. If you're a Nazi, <laughs> you love being a well, Nazi. Well, is there anything that requires more commitment? <laughs> like, like, because once wow. you've made the decision, there's kind of nothing else you can be. Oh, man. <laughs> there's so much to talk about, but it's this, this episode's already nine hours long. Okay, this is a good one. What would be your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to this record? 
I would say, you know, shit, I don't even know. I, I'm terrible at like succinctly don't, don't, summing things up. It doesn't have up. to be like, hey, man, you listen to music? Or I, I always say it's like, what would you say? And I would say you're listening because what's cool about, and I, this is the, one of the points that I was trying to make, but I kept getting distracted, which was Green Day came out, they were popular, and then they got big, and then they kind of got lame, mm -hmm. and then they did this record, yeah. and then they became cool again, yeah. and then they started going up, and they're cool, and then they did a couple records, and they got lame again. Yeah, yeah. Green Day's come back around for a third time. Yeah. Which all that does is show longevity. That, to me, doesn't like no, signify a failure or anything like that. It's like, if you're around for 30 years, you should have stinkers and you're consistently making shit, you should have some stinkers and that's fine. That's part of it. It's why like, I love Eminem. I think that album revival should be like, he, he could have like done some time for that. I think it was I've bad. never, like, never really been into Eminem. There's two good songs on it. Which one's, which one's revival? Is that like, I'm not afraid. Yeah. Yeah. That one and like chloroseptic. It's like, those are the two songs that are fine, you know, fine. But everything else is like, whatever. Am I mad at him? Am I going to become not a fan? Or no, I'm not afraid was on recovery. I'm sorry. Get ready to watch my set in the next couple weeks because I'm definitely going to be like, you look like you fucked too. I'm not afraid <laughs> to take my hand. Everybody. Everybody. Do my damn. <laughs> um, I think when you're talking about this is like, I said, what would be a good elevator pitch? I think you, I would say this. You're watching. A, you're watching a. You're watching kids become adults. This is musically oh, yeah. hearing somebody going from being, you know, young to like, hey, we're we're actually. We're not only just pop songwriter hits. We we have depth to our music, and this is a perfect example of a band transitioning into depth. Well, and not to mention, it's a punk rock band being punk rock adults by now fixating their ire at or not ire, but it, their anger at uh, at the government. Like the, it be, because their stuff was like against my mom, and like that's like the Blink One Eighty Two thing of like that's their authority. Yeah. And then they grew up to now the government is their authority. And they're speaking to that, which I don't know of any message that could resonate more now where it was made for a time back that, you know, for George W. Bush and all that shit and warmongering. And there's no more of a warmongering time with an authoritarian bullshit government than what we got going on now. So it's like or for the last several years. Yeah. But it's like you don't lose any of that. It's not a nostalgia piece. It is actually incredibly current. Yeah, this 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 has an aged at all no it's, unfortunately it's, it's um this i think this is their this is their best record i think that's the best way to put it it's like you're literally hearing a band and there's there's moments in music where you get to hear stuff like that yeah. you know i think radiohead doing okay computer was like the first two records were great but they still had that little poppy thing and the next thing you know they dropped okay computer and it was like oh wow yeah like this is adult like this is a real this is a concepty record about computers and stuff, and um, like that was in there the whole time. Yeah, and I'm not saying Pink Floyd before didn't have it, but when they did like Dark Side of the Moon, you know, or or The Wall, isn't yeah, it's apt. Um, <laughs> promote away. What do you want to promote? At I am Mike Cannon on social media, all of it, uh, all of my dates are at mikecannoncomedy.com, and then Chrissy Chaos Pod with uh, Chris DeStefano and myself. Go see Mike on the road. Listen to the podcast. You'll be back. Yeah, just know you come see me in Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, buddy. I love you. Thank dude. you for coming on, man. Of course. Yeah, the one and only Mike Cannon. Follow him on the old socials at I am Mike Cannon. Go to his website, MikeCannonComedy.com. 
Listen to the podcast, Chrissy Chaos, with him and Chris Stefano, and support. If you see my candidate in a city near you and he's performing, go support him. All right, for new music, we have Brooklyn punk revivalist The So So Glows. And you're listening to 3,000 Miles it's from 2023. Check out the website for, uh, for details, the500podcast.com. And uh, send us your song because we'll play it. Send us your song, 500podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, send it. We'll play it. Next week, it's Neil Diamond Week, which I'm excited about. This is a good episode, too, man. I forgot we taped this a while ago. Uh, dig into the 1999 compilation, The Neil Diamond Collection. Do your homework, skadoodly do, fleece army, you know what to do.
Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts.